0: celtics pride podcast on celtics blog i'm adam motenko with me my twin brother josh motenko what's up that? that's it
1: what's up that's it,
0: that's it. mike Mikoff is out today josh we had a two and one record in the last week a win against charlotte a win against detroit and then a loss at the end at the buzzer another buzzer beating win by luka Doncic's dallas mavericks we're going to talk some KG night. We're going to talk about who we might be interested to, to face in the playoffs and what other scoring options we have other than Jason Tatum. First, these last three games, any reactions to any of that? Are you, are you hoping that we never have to play Dallas and Luka Doncic again,
1: or at least not no. in a tight game? No, I thought there was a late turnover that really turned the tables in that game by both teams. Um, and the second one was by us, and that was the one before Luka's three that I think tied the game. Um, So, you know, same old story. I think we're playing great. I think even in that loss, we played great. Um, And we know kind of what we need to do to improve, which is limit turnovers. Um, Overall, I thought the last three games were stellar. And it's been like more of the same that we've seen for the last, what now, three weeks going, four weeks? Um, More than that, I'd say.
0: I mean, Charlotte, we won with defensive passing. Detroit made a big defense. We made a big defensive push in the fourth and it was kind of neck and neck until then. And then we kind of took a lead and coasted towards the end. And to me, I, you know, the Dallas game notwithstanding, I'm fine with that. I thought we looked fine in that game. Uh, the, the fact that Dallas keeps – and Luca keeps beating us at the buzzer. It, there's something that's like uh, – you're the karma guy, Josh. Is there something <laughs> karmically wrong there? Like, uh, it's just weird. It's frustrating. But but that doesn't – to me, that's not a big deal. No, yeah, he's,
1: he's a top five player in the league, so – I'm not, That that's what happens when you face those guys.
0: To me, we look like a really good team. It's as if the Celtics have figured out that they have higher gears than they had at the beginning of the season. It's like they've added a fifth and sixth gear and they're using them against less successful teams when they need. So early in the year, it was like they struggled to play. They were playing in like the third and fourth gear. That's as high as they could go, but they struggled to do that for 48 minutes straight. They'd shift down at points. They'd coast on defense. They'd stop running the offense instead of uh, for isolations instead. They'd lose focus. They'd let bad teams go on runs, and they wouldn't retaliate. And now when they play less successful teams, it's like they're in third or fourth gear pretty quickly and consistently. They've got effort and focus on D. They're passing on offense. Um, and they know that that's usually good enough to beat a bad team. And it's like when they're doing that and they're not beating the bad team, or they're not getting up into leads, it's like they know they can just shift up into fifth or sixth if they need to. They can go um, and like, strangle the other team on defense, turning yeah. defense into offense as they are enjoying talking about, and just like impose their will on the, on the other team and on the game. And to me, that's important because that's the kind of thing that really good teams do. To me, that's a, that's a, a signal that this team is really good, they can kind of coast a little bit playing pretty consistently hard uh, and, and win against bad teams. And when they need to, they throttle up and, uh, you know, as we used to say, like put their, their like, foot on the throat of the other team. They won't let them back into the game. And they just like they dominate. That's the kind of a thing that a championship contender can do. And that's what I'm seeing from this team.
1: Whoa, those words coming from you are strong words. They are. I feel like
0: how this season has gone for me
1: yeah I feel like the ball movement has been the key for me, like the way that the ball moves now and that we're always looking for the great the great shot, not just the good shot um, and that obviously starts with Tatum. I was a big hater of tatum and and of that aspect of his game early on i I did call him soft i and I did think i would still i would still use those same maybe not those same words in you know in the same context, but I would you know the the same thing. I would, you know, 10 times out of 10 say, no, that's what was happening. He had a mental leap and now he's not only uh, driving it at people, through people um, and and not always expecting the contact um, and showing that kind of both mental and physical toughness in drives to get to the free throw line. But he's also showing that he can, that he's taken a mental leap in terms of the facilitation piece, that he can make other players better. Um and so he's really putting things together, and that, I think, has become contagious. Our best player is now looking for others. So now all the things that Marcus Smart, now Horford and Grant Williams and the kind of lesser-known ball movers were doing is now able to be contagious among the whole team, throw Derek White in that category as well. And so to me, the ball movement is on a championship level. Um, and, and that, it's like it's bringing back the old ways of the Celtics. Um, you know, That's what the Celtics of the 80s were known for, is their ball movement. I mean, shoot, look at Rondo and, and that team in 2008. That team was also known for their ball movement. Any contending team is going to have great ball movement, um, you know, nine times out of 10 in the NBA. So to me, that's been the huge thing that I've seen over this stretch. And it's like the most fun reason why I love the Celtics.
0: Okay, let me ask you, Josh, because you you referred back to old Celtics teams. I don't want to go that far back. Two questions for you. Number one, did you watch K- KG Knight? And number two, how yeah. many tears did you shed?
1: Oh, a few. I shed a few tears for sure. What,
0: did you really? Oh, yeah. What was your emotional reaction?
1: Um, when he said, I didn't I didn't know that you all effed with me like this. Yeah, like, right. That to me, that to me. And then he started tearing up. It was really when he teared up is when I teared up. Like that dude shows emotions on his sleeve. I mean, that was his whole thing is he can't control his intensity. And uh he was real in the interview with Scalabrini, um, and, and that's just kind of how he's always showed up, just real, even with his profanity, you know like in that context, uh yeah, you you can't really take that out of the the speech like the the YouTube video has that in it, you know, like it's um it's raw kg and that's that's the way we always love kg but yeah, I mean like look, when Larry Bird has hit, had his retirement, and Magic Johnson said, there will never, ever ever be another Larry Bird. Like, those are emotional moments. And I, I bleed green, you know? That's why we're on the Celtics Pride. So yeah, I definitely shed some tears with that.
0: Because I was thinking, real,
1: men, real men shed tears.
0: I was thinking of the same, the same memory of uh, Bird Night and Magic Johnson saying that. Um, I did not shed a tear. Uh, but I did get amped. I watched it at like 5 in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And I was like, ready to tackle literally anything. I was like, I don't care what <laughs> it is. I can do it.
1: Yeah, can you imagine him listening to the Phil Collins song on repeat? <laughs> I didn't know which song Scalabrini was referring oh, really? to un- until they played it when he was pre- putting his number up, when he was like lifting the rafters up, and it, it like, yeah, you know, because KG's a hip hop head. I just was surprised that that was his song, his jam. I mean, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Like, I could see him getting down to those lyrics. Well, yeah, but. Um, so my question to you though, Adam, is you saw the video of him going into the locker room, dapping everybody up, you know, I like that. He like, didn't really, you know, didn't really, you could tell he didn't know some of the players in the locker room and, uh, and that, and that <laughs> even was he some calling of the him? players, big, he called everyone big dog almost even Grant Williams. He was big, big dog or big man. Um, but like even some of the, even like Grant Williams, like was afraid to talk to him. You could tell there were certain people like you just, if you don't know that he knows you, then you can't really approach him kind of a thing. Um, but my question to you is, do you think that that has like an impact? I mean, you saw Tatum sitting behind, you know, the, all the guys from the 2018, team, Big Baby, James Posey, like two rows behind them was Tatum, uh, Smart, Rob Williams, and Jalen Brown were sitting together. Watching that kind of a ceremony, does that make an impact on these guys? Does does it change anything? What do you think?
0: I think there's a huge impact. And by that, I mean, it's a cautionary tale that if you don't watch yourself, you could balloon up to the size of Antoine Walker. I I mean, I... (laughs) I hate to get that level here on the podcast, but I, I was like, oh, wow, it's, it's, it surprised me. It legitimately surprised me. No, I, I do think it does it can have an impact. And, and I was really glad that he went in the locker room, that the players were watching. Because, and this, you know, you tell me if I'm overdoing it here, but there is something about the Celtics franchise. Um, I don't remember who it was. Was it Sam Mitchell or somebody on, on a, I think it was ESPN's, I don't know, uh, Um, broadcast crew that was saying that like the, or maybe it was Isaiah Thomas, the Lakers and Celtics are different. Yeah. Something special um, about, about this franchise and the winning, winning um, heritage. And I think that's usually something that young players have to learn. Like, yeah, you come in, you see the banners, you learn about the history. There's been something special about having Danny Ainge, a guy who played with uh, and won a championship um, around the team because he shares some of that history there's something special about bill russell coming in and talking to kg things like that and so when kg comes back for young players when he's kind of like you know they hopefully they remember him but they're probably not remembering anybody previously um i think it matters that they're a part of something you don't get your your number in the rafters unless you win a championship and if you do like we can we go overboard. You know, when KG was like, Ray Allen, you're next. I was kind of like, ah, Rondo, Izzy? Rondo, you're, Rondo next. you're next. Really? I don't know. Right. But I wouldn't put it past the Celtics. We, we will well, have d- zero numbers left for new players to choose because okay, if you well, win a championship here, you are memorialized. <laughs> and, I and mean, then you see the reaction that KG had, that was special for him. We care about players. And KG is not getting that in Minnesota because of how things fell out with him and, and their owner. They're, they're not going to retire his number while that owner is there unless something dramatically changes.
1: Well, maybe they'll come to their senses and retire his number like way after the fact like we did with Cedric Maxwell. Every time I look up at the rafters and see number 31, I got to uh-huh. look, look that one up. I was like, wait, who? And then when I saw his speech, I was like, wait, he got, he got his number? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like you always have twenty years later to to, to do to right the wrongs. Um, but you brought up Ray Allen. That was the question I had for you. Do we retire his number? Obviously, Rondo. He's he's lesser lesser. He's next, right on the totem pole. Like he's way down. But Ray Allen,
0: Maybe, sure. What I don't know. Sure.
1: <laughs> you don't know. You don't <laughs> have a like line Philly, where you cut uh, it.
0: Uh, yeah, it's we're way past that. So to start p- implementing my line now, it doesn't really make sense.
1: So where would your line be? If just your line, would, would Ray Allen no. be retired? No. no. And, and obviously, Ron like, not either.
0: No knock on Ray Allen. He was a part of the big three. We would not want to have won that championship without him. But Garnett was the guy. He came in. He changed the culture. He should have won MVP that year, in my opinion. And Pierce was the franchise up until that point. Uh, and they both played better than Ray Allen. I think Ray Allen had to take more of a backseat to the two of them, and rightly so. Um, and you just, you can't, you can't retire every single number.
1: Well, but there's one, a portion of this,
0: if they a had one, two or three, Josh, I'd say yes.
1: Yeah. But there's a portion of this. That's like KG was only here for six years. You know, three of those years were great. That's not that long, but we're retiring his number. You know, obviously he changed the culture, which I want to get into a little deeper later, but he, he didn't, he's a star. Right, and so like you would want to retire the star, the star's number, and Ray Allen is also a star. Like he's he's an NBA, you know perennial NBA All Star, one of the best players of his generation. That's why I think that his his case is different than Rondo. You know, Rondo was, in my opinion, a star, and you know he was the best player on the court in a conference finals against LeBron. You know, and so to me, Rondo's like uh, I hold Rondo in higher esteem than most people. But if you ask non-Celtics fans, I mean, Rondo's not a star overall in his career. But if you ask any fan, Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttlesworth, is a star on any level. So to me, it's like that's part of this is like you want to put the star's numbers up there. And if they're with you for a few years, then shoot all the teams that Ray Allen was with should want to retire his number.
0: Did I see correctly that Ray Allen was seated in a different area than the rest of the players from that team?
1: No, 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 no. He was in front right next to Paul Pierce. yeah. Exactly, and the other
0: players were behind.
1: Yeah, so they he was seeing them differently. Exactly. So just
0: just because yeah. of that, I would say they're going to retire his number.
1: Oh, you think the seating has something to do with it? I do. Okay, for sure. But yeah. and what do you think about the fact that he's a star? Does that does that should that play into whether the person's on the rafters of an individual team?
0: If they were a star on that team, then yes. And he was, in my opinion, yeah, not, not like,
1: yeah, <laughs> not like the level that he was at previously. See, I think, I think his whole resume is taken into consideration. I think most people's are when you look at their careers and whether their numbers are in the rafters, um, and, and it's gonna be harder for someone who's not considered a star by all to be, to be raised. Um, I like what you said about KG, obviously he changed the culture, um, to me. I can't remember. Someone said it during his ceremony that he brought Celtics pride back, and they said the word Celtics pride I think four or five times throughout the night. Um, I you think mean, he brought. You it... mean, they
0: were referring to the podcast, to
1: this podcast. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. yeah. So um, KG, he obviously brought Celtics pride back. It was last seen, uh, you know, before Rick Pitino and all of them when Reggie Lewis was here, and but mostly in the in the eighties you know the Larry Bird Kevin McHale Robert Parish teams were the last before KG brought it back and i think that like what does that mean he brought it back it means like the defensive intensity he brought that back it means the ball movement the unselfish play you know cuz he was the biggest defender the most unselfish player you know maybe ever to play the game and but like pairing that with elite talent and elite fit of like the right people at the right time for the right roles I think is what makes celtics basketball celtics basketball along with the intensity of the talent and the unselfishness um and to me that team just had everybody in the perfect fit like you look at the leon pose and big babies who had big moments throughout the regular season and postseason. like they had that was the perfect fit for them and you could see elsewhere in their career they didn't find that perfect fit and weren't as successful um and i think it's kind of ironic that this whole ceremony was postponed what was it nine months 12 months, something like that. It was supposed to be a while ago. And, you know, because of not having any fans available to come into the building, um, they've moved it to now. And now all of a sudden this current Celtics team is playing with a little bit of Celtics pride, playing with some defense, some unselfish play, I think some elite talent, and kind of the perfect fit. And so I feel like um, it was kind of karmic that the retirement ceremony was postponed until now.
0: Are you going to connect it back to the current team? I'm waiting.
1: Yeah, I think the current team, is, I mean, I could start talking about the perfect fit of the current team. The, I think the current team is, um, after the trade, bringing in Derek White and sending out Romeo Lankford, uh, Josh Richardson, nothing against those guys. But there was a competition for the last playing time at the end of the bench. And now we've removed that distraction as well. And to me, the continuity of these guys playing together and um, just the the executives and the coaching staff limiting distractions is one of the reasons we're playing so well and and know how to play so well together.
0: Can I ask you one last question about the KG night? Yeah. What went into Eddie House's decision to wear sweatpants?
1: Oh, he's just following Big Baby's lead, man. These guys when you're coming back being honored like this you don't need to dress up you wear whatever you want it's i think it's an old fashioned belief that you're supposed to dress a certain way um i like how kg he dressed up but he went black on black and like did his own style with it and i you know like he could have done kg could have worn a hoodie like he likes to wear i think that would have been fine you you know like they <laughs> they're going to get honored no matter what and i think it's uh it's a power move to maybe dress down.
0: All right. All right. Well, it's yeah. been about 18 minutes and you have not mentioned Bill Simmons yet. Is everything okay? Cough twice if I need to call the authorities.
1: <laughs> um, so Bill Simmons, he's been saying on his most recent podcast that, um, that when Jason Tatum gets doubled, he doesn't know who our second guy is who's going to step up. When when Tatum kicks it out from the double team, he's worried. He's, it's almost like he's putting Jalen Brown on the same in the same category as Marcus Smart, and he's even said, you know, I know Brown scores twenty four points per game, but he doesn't. I don't. He doesn't have his trust. Um, and, and I don't know what to think about that. I kind of feel like when you look back at the history of Tatum and Brown, Brown's been the consistent one. Tatum's been the one who's always shown flashes, had big nights, but never necessarily always been consistent until i would say halfway through last year and then consistent on an elite level i would say halfway through this year and it just so happens that at the same time jalen brown is struggling a little bit just came off of a twisted ankle maybe came back a little soon and um but i don't think that should impact people's trust in him to rise up and and be able to score the ball yeah i don't like a lot of his turnovers yeah, I don't always trust him in a you know three on two, uh, but I think that he's definitely ready to pick up the slack, if, you know, on nights when they're doubling Tatum, and I think that he's more than capable of making the right reads.
0: So this is where I, I wish Mike was here because I've been saying that the concern I have about whether this team can win a championship is that they do not have enough star power. They are uh, playing amazing. But if they win a championship this year, it's going to be one of those championships like Milwaukee last year or the 2003 Detroit Pistons or, uh, you know, there's a couple of other examples in between where they were not the most talented team, but they won as a team. And they got a little lucky as well. And, um, you know, Mike has been saying, no, I don't think they need another star player. Um, and to me, I, you know, I, I'm not worried about this. Uh one of two things is going to happen when Jason Tatum gets doubled and he's going to be and passes out of it. One, another guy gets an open look, whether it's the guy yep. who receives the ball or someone who dribble drives and you know, get the defense in rotation and pass it around. We're going to get a great shot. We may not have the best shooters in the league shooting it, but we're going to get a, a, an open shot and I'll take that every day. Or the ball is going to come back to Tatum with one player on him and he'll be able to make a move. And, I'm just hoping that he trusts that, because what's not going to work is if he stops like he did earlier in the year. Uh, right. I, I think he will. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. But the idea that you need some second guy—I don't know if that's true. And I do think Jalen Brown is the second guy on this team. Um, I, I couldn't tell whether you were referencing Bill Simmons saying that Tatum doesn't trust Jalen Brown, or if that Simmons doesn't trust no. Jalen Brown.
1: No, Bill Simmons. And I think other fans potentially yeah. too don't trust Jalen Brown to step up and be that second guy to take over the scoring load. I think I think he's easily that second guy. I think it even makes more sense that Marcus Smart and Derek White do not want to take that shot unless it's late in the shot clock. And so they're going to facilitate Good. for somebody else always. Good. Robert Williams is not going to take that shot unless it's a lob up to him or a putback dunk, dunk. Right? And so you have guys who all and, – and even Al Horford. I mean, if he's wide open for three, he'll shoot it but we know who's gonna take the shots. And the guys who know they're not going to are gonna pump fake and drive and, or dribble handoff to try to get the ball back to the two guys they want taking the shots, Tatum and Brown. And so it's like you can, Tatum can skip the ball out of that double team and we can drive off of it. And if we get a wide open shot, great, take it. But otherwise, we're not gonna be, like those guys already know not to take the covered shots. And they're already, especially late in the game, looking to get the ball back to to Brown and Tatum. And so it's it's like it's obvious to Brown that he needs to step up in that way and that even his teammates are going to be expecting him to do so and facilitating with the ball to get him that opportunity. Um so it's just a matter of whether he's going to make the shot or not.
0: And I I'm, I'm trusting the defense if they're locked in and I'm trusting the offense if they're running it like that. Yeah. I'm not trusting the second guy. I'm trusting those two things and I'll I'll right. let the chips fall where they may with that.
1: And I think you have the right to trust that because of the continuity that's been built with this team. But to me that's like the unsung thing, right? Like when you're when you have a team that's together for a long time for years and years that have kind of grown up together, you know, with Smart being kind of the oldest guy of the core that's been there a while. Like you, you look back and Smart helped to groom Jalen Brown and Brown helped to groom Jason Tatum and Robert Williams, you know, right on after him. And so I think one of the reasons we can expect and we've seen these mental leaps from guys like Tatum and Brown um, is, and Rob Williams is because of the continuity. And so now adjustments can be made quicker. Big adjustments have already been made in like egos when you look at what Tatum has done this year. and. Um, to me, that continuity is like the unsung hero of this team. I mean, again, we're going to go back to the, the 1980s Celtics. That's what they had as well. Um, so you're starting to see some things here that I think are really vital to championship success. And let me, let me go into continuity just a little bit more. There was a New York Times article, I think back in 2016, about where do NBA players come from? And a lot of us kind of perceive the NBA and think about some of the stars and where they came from and think that the NBA, you know, you have more of a chance to make the NBA if you're a talented player who comes from the inner city um, and who's who's like displaying their talents, you know, in in different programs and trying to jump to the highest level possible so you can get recruited and uh, become one and done and, and then make the NBA. But the, what the article revealed, which was surprising to me at the time, was that a lot of people, the majority of NBA players actually come from rural areas, suburban areas, and that the one commonality between them is that they had continuity and consistency in their coaches, their teams, and their teammates as children growing up. And that that kind of continuity is kind of what has actually built the NBA and created you know, people who could potentially make it once they get there and, and stay in the league. Um, and yeah, I'm going to find that article and, and I'll post it on Twitter. Uh, but it's, I think that that kind of displays the, the, the idea that I'm talking about. And I think, you know, Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens and, and Marcus Smart, really, those three guys are the ones who kind of created that in the NBA with the Celtics right now. And, and we're starting to see it all pay off.
0: That's something that I think is also underrated that the Celtics team has. These guys have been together f- for a while and that while is unique in modern NBA with the way that players move around. Um, so especially when you are uh, not as talented as some of the the top teams in the league, I think that's a way to make up the gap.
1: Well, I think that there's some chatter, at least in some of the podcasts I've listened to recently uh, about whether that's changing this whole trend of, NBA players jumping from team to team, creating super teams, going to where the big money is, um, and that you're looking at guys like Trey Young, John Morant, Nikola Jokic, uh, Antetokounmpo, all these guys who are being groomed by small market teams and are potentially enjoying that and, and interested in staying in those areas. And people are starting to question whether NBA players are satisfied with staying and becoming you know, the long time. Fan favorite of a smaller franchise. Obviously, the Supermax contracts and changes with that in the last five years, 10 years, um, it probably helps that situation. But I wonder if we're seeing the potential for stars being more stable and having more continuity over time. What do you think?
0: I mean, we're seeing some players. I mentioned how I really liked seeing Ja in Memphis. He fits there. Uh, Giannis in Milwaukee, um, Denver and, and, uh, um, Jokic. Jokic. Um, we'll see about Doncic in, uh, Dallas. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if that happens, it's it's phenomenal for the league. It's really important for the league. So, the more of that, the better. Whether you know, we'll see. Uh, everybody, the players are going to be drawn to warm weather and and big stages. So, I think that's just the way it's always going to be. But um, we're in a good place in the NBA right now because of that. Uh, can we move on to the next thing?
1: Yeah. And I got so, I got one thing to add at the end too. Yeah.
0: So, um, I you know. I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Josh, uh, the C-word with the Celtics. That's championship. The C-word? Oh, championship yeah. Championship team. Um, you know, when, when I was on a break with this team mid-season, <laughs> I never would have expected to think that the Celtics could compete for a championship this year. And even two weeks ago, I was like, nope, they're still second tier. But I've been thinking about it recently, and I think that there is a window this year – for the Celtics to sneak in and, and compete for a championship. They can make the finals. They might even be able to win a championship this year. Similar to the two seasons ago when they made the conference finals, uh, when Miami lost to LeBron in the championship, uh, I think the Celtics have a shot this year, partly because of luck. Uh, they can take advantage of a number of issues that other teams are dealing with. Injuries, culture issues, new rosters, pe- uh, players getting comfortable with each other. So the question that I have for you to talk through this is, who are you afraid of in the playoffs? And I want to just go down the playoff teams, starting in yeah. the East, starting with the top team right now, the Miami Heat. Thoughts? Are you afraid of them?
1: Yes, I'm afraid of the Miami Heat. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jimmy Butler is going to be really re- well-rested. You know, he's he hasn't played a whole lot, and I'm wondering what's going on there. Uh, that might be their Achilles heel if he really is injured to agree that's going to impact them in the playoffs. But I picked them to be the second or third team uh, really in the league. I feel like Miami's got the championship pedigree when you look at Lowry and the other veterans that they have. Um, I think Bam is a beast um, and and Tyler Hero keeps getting better. I, I just think that they're That They have the ability to win games at the end. They have the ability to put clamps on other teams, just like the Celtics do. And I think that they're going to be a problem in the playoffs.
0: Okay, so they scare you. How much do
1: they scare you? I would say a 7 out of 10.
0: I mean, to me, they're really good. They're not head and shoulders above this Celtics team. I agree. So I'm not like, oh my God, we can't face them in the playoffs. Let's try and avoid them. They're definitely going to beat us. I think we can compete against them. I'd like yeah. to see what happens in a, in a seven-game series with them, and I do think that we could win that. Yep. All right, the next team in the East, Philadelphia.
1: Do they scare nope, you? It, nope, not at all. Not at all? No, not at all. Embiid, Embiid is now fun to watch because he'll bring the ball up and he'll, he'll dance a little bit more. He, he does that thing where on his jump shot, he bends his knees, so it looks like he's floating a little bit. Uh, like that, that's a prime guard move. I love that. He's like putting guard moves into his repertoire and he's honestly, he's hitting shots at an unbelievable clip for him. Um, you know, there's some stats that make him one of the best offensive players of all time and, or comparable to Will Chamberlain on certain, in certain situations. And so look, I respect the heck out of Joel Embiid. Um, but I don't James Harden. I don't think they have the depth I think that we are in Embiid's head from previous series in the same way that we were in LeBron's head, maybe more so before LeBron kind of uh, really went up a level. Um, but it's like Embiid's not afraid of anybody except the Celtics. That's kind of how it feels to me. Um, I'm really not concerned with him, with that team that much.
0: Well, if Embiid is going up a level, I, you know, it looks like this year I think he's, he's made that move. Uh, but I'm not super scared of them either. I think we have a much better chance this year than we will next year after they round out the roster, after Harden uh, has an off season of actually caring after he and Embiid have more than 20 games together, et cetera. Okay. Next team. um, Wait, wait, wait. So
1: when, when when you do, when they do look good, when Harden is on, I love the way that they are moving the ball better. It's not just him holding it and dribble, dribble, dribble. He's finding Thibel for dunks all over the place um, and, and finding their shooters. So I do think that they are, you know, a good team um my my fear number for them would be like three or four out of five Oof. out of ten okay so next. i don't fear them much
0: next uh let's try and move a little faster here next okay. uh, on in the standings as we record monday night is milwaukee brooke lopez i think just came back after yep. missing all year george hill is supposed to return soon uh they had some luck winning last year do they scare you
1: deandre deandre benbury just got injured probably out for the year um which means my guy, Jordan Noorra, is going to get more minutes. I really like Nawara, but I don't think that they – no. They, I mean, they scare me, I would say, five out of ten. A little, they definitely scare me a little bit, but not a ton.
0: Um, next team, Chicago. Lonzo's returning soon. Caruso is back. Do
1: they scare you? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Six out of ten. They, they scare me a little bit. Um, I, and I really think that they can do some damage in the playoffs. I think they're a top three or four team in the East. Obviously, they're fourth right now. Give me a number. Five, six out of ten.
0: Those are the teams ahead of us, and I would say not all of them for long. Cleveland, do they scare you?
1: No, not with Jared Allen out for the year. Uh, no, they, Toronto. They, he do really scare put you? everybody. Toronto does scare me. Yeah, Toronto scares me the same as Miami. Seven out of ten. I think Nick Nurse uh, potentially has our number. Um, you know, coaching wise, I feel like he's out-coached Brad Stevens on numerous occasions. They have some extreme length that is difficult for some, you know, some of our guys to match up with. Um, Pascal Siakam's playing on another level. I, yeah, I really like I really like what they're doing with with all their length on the perimeter, um, and even their bigs are are rangy and switchy and can handle it. Uh, Precious Achua is, is now bringing the ball up the court and facilitating some for people. So they they have some of those rangy six eight to six ten guys that. I wish the Celtics had more of. Um, so yeah, they scare me. But
0: The only team in the play-in tournament worth mentioning, Brooklyn, do they scare you?
1: Yeah, not really. <laughs> no, not really. Not the way that Tatum played against Durant before. That, that was the first time that I've really seen Tatum not be afraid of Durant or not play like Durant was better than him. Uh, he, Tatum played like he was better than Durant or was trying to be. And to me, that says something about uh, mentally, psyche, the psyche of us playing Brooklyn and with Kyrie not being able to play every night and who knows when Ben Simmons is coming back or how he'll be when he comes back. They don't scare me that much, no. That might change once we see Simmons back or once the vaccine mandate in New York is lifted or, and Kyrie can play. But
0: If you're um. Steve Kerr, how many games do you are you like, we? I need them for X number of games before I feel comfortable with them in the playoffs? They're Steve Nash, I mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know if you need any games. <laughs> uh, I really don't. I think you need Ben Simmons to come back as soon as possible so he can fit in with whoever's there. Um, you know, But I, I, don't, I really don't think you need – because Ben Simmons has the kind of game that he's more of a facilitator and a connector anyway. So I don't think it's hard for those guys to fit in. If he was another scorer and they had to figure out how to share the ball a little bit more, that'd be different. But Ben C- Simmons is going to, you know, get an inbound pass and early the ball up, and you know, throw lob passes to Claxton and their other bigs. And um, I'm I'm not really that worried about his fit. It's really like under pressure, how will he perform? Because he's shown, like Harden, that he doesn't always rise to the occasion under pressure. And then Kyrie is just he's ready to go, whether they have played any games together or not.
0: So I mean, uh, to me. All of these teams, I mean, unless Brooklyn actually puts it together, which at this point, I'm kind of skeptical that it's going to happen. Again, with similar to Philadelphia, I think we have a better chance this year than next against Brooklyn. So it's kind of like you've got these windows here where these, some of these teams are, that should be, be much better than they are are off. And all of them, I would put in a category of good to really good. And I would put yeah. us in the same category. Nobody yep. is a tier ahead of us. And so I'm kind of like not that afraid of these teams or not as afraid of the other teams in the East as I feel like I should be considering how the Celtics have played throughout this entire year, year, including recently. I mean, when you look at the whole thing together, they, they should be a second tier contender. They should not be an actual championship contender, but I'm not seeing any other team that is scaring me in the East. And then when you look at the West, you've got Golden State, Draymond has some back issues. He's supposedly returning soon. Clay's been out for over two years. He's not quite himself yet, and probably won't be until he has another off an off season of a health, of healthy training. Weissman is supposed to be coming back soon, but they've had some some issues with uh, players uh, coming back after injury, and uh, we'll see what that looks like. And then, are you fe- afraid of them? I, yes, I am afraid of Golden State. And Give then. I am more afraid of Golden State than any other team in the league. I think I think really? when healthy and I kind of expect them to be relatively healthy in the playoffs, I think that they're the best team in the league. Um, I'm and, way
1: more afraid of Phoenix.
0: Well, so Phoenix, Chris Paul, he's been injured. It's going to take him, that could take him into the playoffs. So it was a six to eight week injury, I believe. Um, eight weeks is the first week of the playoffs. So he might not come back until they begin. We'll see. Um, but, and, and, I mean, obviously with him back they're they're amazing. Um, and I want to see them in the playoffs beating other good teams, multiple rounds.
1: I mean, just the fact that they're like 10 games better in the win category than any other team in the league practically is to me that they've been on another level than every other team in the entire league all season long. And I don't think that you can, uh, put
0: that past them. They're the two. are the. They are the two, only two teams that scare me.
1: Yeah, that really scare me. I think when you look across the league, though, I mean, injuries are the big thing. Chicago's had them all year. Miami's got it with Butler. Phoenix, obviously, with Chris Paul. You know, but like, how many of these guys, these Draymond Green types, are 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 precautionary? You know, like obviously Chris Paul, that's a bigger injury. But like, how many, how much of this is precautionary with these guys sitting out? Like how, like maybe Brooke Lopez sat out way longer than he really needed to just for precautionary reasons to make sure that he's just ready for the playoffs and, and that he's there when it matters. You know, I think that that's, that's really what you're looking at when, when you're doing this fear meter is like, it's really about injuries and shoot same for the Celtics. If something happens to, to one of our core seven, we're done. That's a huge deal. <laughs> we're done. Exactly. So, so I think this year, now that everything has spread out, the talent is, um, so even throughout the league, I mean, just looking at the Eastern Conference alone, it's like we haven't seen an Eastern Conference this good since Michael Jordan retired. And I think that that's a testament to the fact that anyone, anything can happen at any moment in, in these playoffs. And that one injury for any of these teams is going to be a way bigger deal than, you know, in years past.
0: And just to round out who should, we should be afraid of, but we're not, the Lakers. I'm not afraid of them at all. Memphis is good, but they're young and they're not ready for championship yet. I mean, Utah, Dallas, Dallas has our number, but I don't know. They don't really scare me that much. Denver, if Jamal Murray was there, he's 50-50 to return this year. But even if he does, I don't expect him to be, to be the Jamal Murray of old until next year. So when you look at who actually is scary, there are teams who if healthy, like you said, Josh, they are, would be clearly better than the Celtics but they're not. And so if the Celtics can stay healthy, I think they have a really uh, good shot. The playoffs are a totally different beast than the regular season. And I want to see the Celtics in the playoffs beating good teams before I feel confident in them as a real championship contender. But if they can start to do that, this year has luck on their side. This is an opportunity to make a championship run. And you don't know how many how many of those you're going to get. So we just discussed the standings, uh, the Celtics, they're creeping up. Josh, what do you expect them to, to end up at? They're currently fifth, one game behind Chicago and a game and a half behind Milwaukee and Philadelphia.
1: Like which place? Yeah. Or I think that they're going to end up, I, I don't know, man. Every, every one of these teams is neck and neck. It's been like that for months. I think anything could happen. Um, I, if, I'm gonna, if you're putting me on the spot, I'm going to say third, but they're going to end up being third. And I'm going to say it's behind Miami and Milwaukee.
0: To get there, they were going to have to play well on the road because coming up the next game on Wednesday, uh, on the road at Golden State, then they go to Sacramento before going to Denver and then to Oklahoma City. What are you looking for in these games? What are you watching for the Celtics team as they play these teams?
1: Uh, well, obviously, we're playing Golden State. That's a big matchup for us. I think it's also maybe a test to see how we would fare against a team that's very different from us. Um I think it's it's cool to go up against these other teams that have, uh, you know, a bunch of a bunch of dudes on the roster, and it's different each night um, for Denver for you know injury reasons, but for Sacramento because of trades. Uh, seeing Sabonis in the Sacramento jersey is going to be interesting, um, and I I mean I think it's going to be more of the same. We've hit we are in the zone right now. We've hit this consistency patch where even on like nights when we lose, like the last one to Dallas. I think that we play really well. We're playing really together. Um, to me, that because of that, it's a moral victory, and, and you see that in the standings as well. And so I think that these teams are all a little bit in trouble because we're just on a roll right now. Um, I think the, you know, the Warriors, just looking at the next game, they have more question marks than we do right now, for sure.
0: Okay, final thoughts.
1: Yeah, so reason number four, why I think this team reminds me of the 1980s Celtics. Um, this doesn't happen to me often, and in, in fact, like when I was coaching, I used to laugh at the head coaches that I worked for when they when we'd be in a film session and they'd be looking and they'd have to ask, like, "Wait, who's that in the corner right there?" Like it'd be hard for them to tell the difference between their players. To me, it's like, how do you not know the difference between the players you coach every day? But this has now finally happened to me. I'm 40 years old now. Maybe it's my eyes. I don't know. But sometimes when they shoot the bench, that I think I see Sam Hauser, and I think for a second, for a split second, is that Gordon Hayward? Does that ever happen to you, Adam?
0: I was, gonna, I was wondering whether the reason they remind you of the 1980s Celtics is because they have so many white players, and I feel like you just answered yes.
1: Well, that's one reason. You know, sometimes I see Derek White, and for a split second, I'm like, Tatum's in the game? But the reason they remind me of the 1980s Celtics is when you look at the roster, we have one, two, three, four, five, six guys on this roster who will never be a good NBA player, ever, for any team, ever, ever, ever. Like Matt Ryan, I still haven't looked up who that is. You know, I oh. know who Keelan Martin and Malik Fitz are, but these bench guys that we have, is like we had a stable of bench dudes who knew they were never gonna play. They knew their job was to just to wave towels with ML Car on the bench in the '80s and cheer for Larry Bird. Like they knew exactly where they fit. And it's funny that like having guys on two-way deals and signing guys late in the year who are like getting their first ever, ever opportunity, like like Fitz and and Keelan Martin to be part of the playoffs. It's like, and who, you know, who knows who Matt Ryan is? You know, Luke Cornett, we kind of remember him. Sam Hauser, I like him. But, like, come on, these are guys who are, are, like, put in their place already just by when they signed, what kind of deal they're on, and the fact that they haven't gotten many minutes all year. And to me, that's, like, another perfect example of uh, limiting all the distractions. When you have a bunch of guys who know they're never going to play, and they know that they're just there to be happy for the other guys on the team, It puts everybody into place. Uh, Reason number four, I feel like we should name this podcast why the current Celtics team reminds us of the 80s Celtics.
0: I mean, it's kind of just you. Uh, (laughs) I I understand what you're saying. And uh, Matt Ryan is uh, 6'7", 6'8", very slow, white dude who can – I think he's 27. He can really shoot – he's 24. He can really shoot the ball, really shoot the ball. He doesn't do anything else. He cannot dribble, and I know how much you love players that cannot dribble. Um, he's real slow. Like I, you're right. He's he has no future in the league. I, I do think um, that Sam Hauser is in a slightly different category than the rest of the players that you mentioned. I think he has a brighter future than the rest of them. And I, if he ha- caught on and had a ten-year career, it would not
1: surprise me. What's See, the I would great? argue the same. I would argue the same thing about Broderick Thomas, but um, we don't need to go there. Uh, you'd have to listen to the the rest of the podcast if you uh, want to find reasons one, two, and three for why this current Celtics team reminds me of the 80s. You mean future episodes? There. No, I mean, I've already said it in this episode.
0: <laughs> You're kidding.
1: <laughs> no, We're sending our listeners
0: no. on like a treasure hunt back to the podcast that they've already listened to.
1: They already heard it. I don't think they're as dumbfounded as you are about it. Yeah, because I remember am. They remember one or two already. Just I have
0: top. no idea. <laughs> right? You
1: are you saying MS our listening.
0: listeners are better listeners than me on the podcast?
1: Yeah, I think they listen to me more than yeah, you do. Probably. probably. You know, some of us aren't just listening to ourselves. Yeah, no,
0: well, they're not jaded. <laughs> they're not jaded from previous experience. All, All right. right.
1: Well, Adam, next time on the podcast, I'll ask you if Kyrie Irving should be allowed to play unvaccinated. And well, now never mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can tease that. I got an answer that. Right?
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't want to hear your answer to that one.
0: All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod. Individually at Coach Motenko. You can uh, follow Mike Minkoff, who wasn't here with us today, at Mike Minkoff NBA. I'm not on Twitter. Thank you again for listening. You are a (laughs) part of Celtics Pride.